Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Jake, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Randy? I'm doing fabulous. I uh, have just returned from the completion of the 22nd Jammers Championship in Jacksonville, and I had a great time. I know you were there, too, so how was your time spent? Uh, I had an amazing time. The wind was perfect. The weather was perfect the entire time, and we had so much hard pack. I played and played and played and played. I actually felt like my counter game got a little bit better. Even though I didn't get a ton of counter throws, probably 15%, I would estimate, but I felt like my left hand touch where I'd lift as I do the chest roll to flatten yeah. the disc out was starting to actually happen uh, on command for the first yeah. time in my entire freestyle career. Well, that was pretty cool. And uh, the turnout this year was huge. It's a, yeah. it's a much bigger year. So you showing up actually was quite a surprise. I was driving into Jacksonville and uh, Paul sent me a Facebook message. Guess who the mystery jammer is? You were the mystery jammer. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I didn't let anybody know that I was coming because I thought it would just be fun to show up on the beach. And so that was it was fun to kind of do that surprise. But really, the whole fun part was the jamming and playing and i seriously i think i jammed 16 17 hours i was so destroyed that i couldn't jam on the monday that i was still there i had to watch up from the balcony and just marveling at the stamina of of those folks yeah i was waiting for you to come down and you never came down <laughs> did you have any highlight jams while you were there i did actually i had my my one that really jumps out at me was i was playing with andrea rimatori and daniel o'neill and we just kind of got going and we got in that flow and all three kind of different styles. And we were able to blend them and just had this hour where it was incredible and things were happening. And I was seeing Andrea do stuff I'd never seen him do. And Daniel was just flying around like crazy and floating. And, uh, and we just all really connected and it was really great. Uh, I think one thing that also stuck out is that there were several people there that I had never seen play. Uh, one person was Jeff Gregory, saw him play and was really impressed with his game. I didn't get a chance to play with him, uh, but I did see him playing on the sidelines and was very impressed. And then another fellow from Puerto Rico who I had not met before, and I don't know his his full name, but Ponce, and I think that might be a nickname for him, but uh, I don't know if you got a chance to jam with him, but he really amazing game. And you can tell the Pipo Lopez influence of all the Puerto Rico players. Uh, and Tito was there as well. And you can see some of the, the Pipo influence. But Ponce definitely had great wind game that you kind of got to have if you play on the beaches in Puerto Rico because the wind is so fierce when it comes at you. And man, Ponce had a great wind game and really great control. Yeah, he did. I did get to play with him a bunch, actually. And he has a really interesting game because he 
his like his nail game didn't look super advanced, but then as soon as the disc got up in the air and he was airbrushing, he had so much control over it. He could chase it down and get it on any angle, no matter how far away it was from him. And he was doing really cool guides. He wore this, this glove on one hand that let him do long, long extended guides. And then he was doing shin brushes just like Peepo. And he did this one thing where he kneeled down, he like did a roll and then he kneeled down and placed himself in just the right place and did another roll. It's like, well, okay. That's pretty yeah. advanced stuff. I know a highlight for you was that you won the title with Daniel O'Neill and Dave Murphy. So congratulations yes. on that victory. Thank you. And was there any other highlights besides that that happened? Yeah, the the Sunday jam. I had a couple of really, really good jams. And they both actually included Joey, which was pretty cool to get to jam with Joey. But I can't remember all the people that were in the jams. But I'm sure that there was Joey, Ryan, and Andrea in one of the jams and um, maybe a couple other people. You know, it was just like you were saying, it was all run and gun. So we're brushing the disc, crossing over paths, hooping, leg overing, and... uh just make getting to make that connection with Joey was really special. And so I, we started there. At some point, my nail fell off. And so I went and put my nail back on. And I thought, uh, I'm going to go switch jams. So I went over and joined Larry. And you might have actually been in that one. I can't remember. You might have still been there. You might not have been. But uh, Larry and a couple other people. And we were playing a lot of counter. And it was also really fun. It was the same sort of vibe. And then Joey just stepped in. And he just added to it. Yeah, it was really cool. One other highlight. So sometimes... James and I will have this little private competition about who can catch the opposite hand catch the most or first. And so I went for a guidus, a planted guidus with my opposite hand. And he saw it and he's like, I'm going to do that before you. And he tried a couple and he missed them both. And I missed, of course, I missed the first one. Then he missed both. So then uh, a little bit later, maybe an hour later in a jam, I went for one and I got it. And I just stood up and pointed right at him and he's puts his head down in shame. <laughs> I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. The wind was incredible in that you could really just kind of put it out there and do whatever. It was just insane how the predictability it was really full from top to bottom. And, and I mean, the wind was like, you could have it up high at your head or down at your toes. And it was all the exact same kind of velocity. Your canvas was so incredible about what you could do from any level. And I remember seeing you do something that I've never seen. And I've never even thought about it before, but it was very cool. But the disc was right at your shoulder height and it was just hanging there. And you just did this nice, sweet, buttery back roll and it just went all the way. And then the disc hung there and you pulled it a pull from underneath your leg. So the back roll happened and it still had so much spin that it was just floating right down to an under the leg pull. And I just was like, wow, that was really cool. Never think about a back roll still having life in it after that moment to be able to do a pull under the leg. Usually you shoot it out, you brush it, or you know, you spin and do a catch. So that was really cool. I don't know if you remember that moment, but I do. I do remember that moment. Yeah, thanks for remembering that because I wouldn't have if you hadn't have said it. Yeah. yeah. Lots, so many things happened. I can't even remember it all. It was I like know. you said, the wind was perfect. The canvas was just wide open. Yeah. Heaven. It was heaven. And it was live streamed. Speaking of live streams, we have another one coming up. Isn't that correct, Mr. G? That is correct. Thanks to Chris Balage. We are streaming the German Championships live from Freiburg, May 31st through June 2nd. And with that, why don't we get into today's episode? So what what's on the docket today, Jake? Yes, we will be continuing our conversation with John Kirkland and... Uh, 
begin by asking him if he still freestyles. Let's listen. The next thing I wanted to ask you is, do you jam anymore? You know, uh, no, I don't. Do you miss it? Yeah. I don't because I play disc golf. I mean, you guys are both, I consider you both very good friends. I can tell you, I can still play disc golf. I mean, I can really play disc golf. And it's sort of cool to be able to do something at a level that you become unconscious at. And it would take me so long to get back into freestyle to get unconscious again that I just don't have the time for it. But I sort of wish that I did it because it seems that um, as you get older, staying stretched out isn't just good because you don't hurt yourself. It's good in ways that are unanticipated because keeping the, the blood vessels and the nervous system stretched, I think, is something that is not appreciated as much as it will be in the future. They'll understand that stretching isn't good just because, I mean, it's, it's good in ways that you don't necessarily know. And I stretch every day. I'm the same height as, as I was in high school, and I'm 71. There's something about stretching the nerves and the blood vessels that's very important. So I guess my answer is I wish that I freestyled more, but I just I just don't have time. I, all I do is play golf. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're really successful at it, so that makes a lot of sense. Well, I'm, I'm no longer interested in competition in terms of getting an attaboy thing. I'm not playing tournaments anymore. I went to the Worlds and won that for the old guys. And if I'm playing well, I could be very successful competitively, except that I don't want to be, oh, I don't want to bullshit you guys either. I, I'm not able to separate competition out. I can't seem to do competition without it bothering me. I can't do competition without it getting me, like actually bothering my heart. I, get, I go into atrial fibrillation when I get in a competition. When I quit playing in the in the 80s and came back in 95 the thing that got me back into it was ddc and i got pretty good at ddc i'm the only person not named conrad to be number one in the last 20 years in ddc and i got way into it my wife and i got way into it and i won a few world championships and stuff including one with my son as a matter of fact in, in terms of milestones i think that i at age 64 became the open, the oldest open world champion in any sport when Cody and I won DDC World Championships. Anyhow, no big deal. Yeah, no big deal. Well, no big deal. you had to have a kid. You had to get to 64. So at least those were two huge accomplishments to even have that record get broken. Well, I mean, I don't know that anybody else has won an open world championship in any sport. Curling, chess, I mean, name it. There aren't any open world champions older than 64 in any sport that I know of. I mean, I've gone on the internet, but, you know. You know, who might come close to you is Clay Calera, the Italian jammer, because he won FPA World's Open title. I don't know how old he is. He's in the 60s when that happened. Really? Could, yeah. Yeah. Clay, to, Clay is an amazing. Be in a niche sport. I mean, you can't get much more niche than DDC. I mean, you think freestyle is <laughs> niche. <laughs> right. DDC yeah. is a niche of a niche. As you know, it's rather competitive at the top end. It may not be may not be very wide, but it's deep. I mean, you know, Conrad and Harvey oh. and I mean there's some guys. DDC's 
and also, I, I'm just telling you guys, I know you know DDC. I know you, you appreciate DDC. DDC is even more fun than freestyle, believe it or not. Because it's got all the stuff that freestyle, all the cuffs and reading the disc and catching and weird contortions and being here now kind of thing. But it's also got power and flowing and decision making and tipping. I'm just telling you, if you ever get bored at all with freestyle, get a DDC pod going because it is more fun than you think. It is extremely fun. I don't know if I'd give it more fun than freestyle, but it's right. definitely up. Well, it's definitely very close for me. I think I think you have to kind of explore <laughs> it a lot to open up those uh, avenues of oh, I get it. This is why people are into it. Just like freestyle, you got to spend time oh, yeah. to get enough skill level to go. Aha, that's it. And I've had DDC have like say, hey, want to come over here and take a look? But freestyle has just been too intoxicating for me to really fully dive in. Let me ask you about Cody, because you've mentioned him a couple times, and I know I've met Cody and I've seen him play, and he's an amazing DDC player. He's an amazing ultimate player, an amazing overall player, but he doesn't really freestyle. What do you think it is about freestyle that's not attracting him? He's probably the best overall player in the world. I mean, if he can catch 20 scarecrows in a row, he ob- I mean, he can. He just sits there and self-set all day. Another guy as great as that is Conrad. He can just sit there and just catch them all day long. A um, couple of great overall players that don't play freestyle. You know, it's probably because when Cody got into freestyle, I mean, when Cody got into Frisbee, I wasn't being a freestyler. I was being a power guy. I was being a golf guy. I was being a DDCer. So he's a great, he's great at all that stuff. He just never did it. He was never around freestylers. He was only around overallers and power guys. Had he been around in the 70s, he'd be a freestyler. He just didn't get exposed to it. I didn't do it. Yeah, that makes sense. So what advice would you give to new players? What type of player? Uh, a new freestyle player who wants to be the best player in the world. Well, I mean, I'm so, I'm so out of touch with today's freestyle. By the way, I meant to ask you guys, who is the guy who is like the James clone who was on that video with him recently doing all his same stuff? Long arms, long legs, doing all the same stuff. Played with him on one of his videos recently. I think that was Pavel. Pavel, I don't know if I can say his last name, Baronic. Is he, is he sort of tall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are both doing the same thing. I mean, they're not as tall as you are, so tall is the relative <laughs> thing. I should have asked Randy if, if he's tall. No, he's not. He's not in. He's not in the Jake Tall set. But he's he's lanky, and uh, yeah, he he's from the Czech Republic. He's from Prague. Actually, I think he's living in San Francisco right now. Hometown is Prague in the Czech Republic, and yeah, he's. He's a skid master. He can, you know, make the disc do whatever he wants. So he's he's pretty amazing. Well, I I really remember the early days when there were two spins, you know, which obviously there's only one spin now. It just depends on how you're looking at it. Right side up, upside down, turn one way or the other. It all changes depending on your perspective. And I remember when that was really the first guy to, to do that was Joey, who could do a whole lot of stuff with both spins. There was a race. I remember the race to be able to delay both spins. There was a race. It was me and a guy named Sammy Schatz and uh, Cray. We were all trying to see, be the first guy to, to do two spins. I'm not sure. Depends on who you ask as to who was the first guy to do it. For sure, there's no disagreement as to the guy who could do both spins the best, and that was Joey. For a long time, you, you had people that were one or the other. 
Yeah, he talked to us about that, and he said that was one of his goals as a brand-new player. He thought that he could differentiate himself by learning both spins. And, yeah, he was he's, he still is, you know, you'd have to say all-time best player. You'd have to say Joey. I mean, if you ask me, just wake me up in the middle of the night and, and said, who's the best player alive today? I'd say James Wiseman. Who's the player, best player of all time? Joey. Who blew your mind the most? Well, Victor and Donnie. That's perfect. You're answering another question. Well, who are your favorite people to play with? You know, my favorite people to play with, wow, I'd say Cray. Cray was just so much fun, just had such an infectious joy. You know, it's funny, we talk about tournaments, and for for a time there, we were talking, everyone would talk about, how come we have such a good time jamming and have such a crappy time playing in the finals? It was a combination of, you know, the judging system and... There was a while there where the judging system was so weird and certain people were sort of in charge of it. I'm not going to go down that that road because I'm much more coming from gratitude than I am regret. It seems to me that to succeed in America or in the world, there has to be that element of competition. Even if we realize that we're there, we go to the tournaments for the, they put on a tournament because there's a competition, but you go because of the jam. We end up getting all caught up in, you know, I should have won this and I should have won that. But the reason you win is for those mob ops and those jams you had at sunset and those moments of magic with whomever when you just were out of your mind and totally alive. And that's why we do it. But no one goes to just festivals. They've got to be some sort of competition because that's where society is rigged so in the same way that that you can't just be caught up in talking about life but language is important but it's not it can't capture everything you need both there's got to be some way where it can be very the outcome can be very important to you but at the same time the only thing that's important is the moment how do you walk that line ball golf really has that Disc golf really has that. How do, you, how do you just be present when every aspect of the present is trying to make you lost in thought? That seems to be the challenge of being human. You know that story of the samurai? I mean, if you think about it, samurai takes this concept to a whole new level. I mean, a sword, one moment of being lost in thought and you're dead. It's not you, you drop, you're dead. Life and death, a sword fight, you better be present. And the samurai code was so strict about honoring being not lost in thought. I remember this story where this ronin samurai uh, sneaks into a compound and kills the, 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 the headmaster, heavy duty uh, headmaster of all the other samurai. So one of his acolytes tracks this Ronin down for years, trying to find, he's going to avenge his master's honor. He's going to track this guy down. And he finally corners the guy in an alley and he's about to deliver the coup de gras. And the other samurai spits in his face. And the samurai calmly puts his sword away and walks off. He spent 20 years trying to get the guy. The guy spits in his face. He puts his sword away, 
and walks off and forgets it. Because he realized that when the guy spit in his face, it angered him. And to get lost in anger would have dishonored his master. So he put it away. He, he didn't want to dishonor his master. So in that same way, how, how to only be about the jam, how to only be about the energy, you know, that's a choice that confronts us at all times in life. Such an interesting story and analogy that John is making there about being just lost in the jam. And I know that you and I have talked a lot about how jamming for us is like our meditation and our time to quiet talking guy in our head where we're just focused on jamming. That story kind of reminds me of actually we do have more talking guy in our head in our jams than I think we realize. I know that I at times will get distracted from the jam by getting frustrated or it's not going the way that I want it to or somebody makes a bad throw and you know I kind of start to get pissy and you know I try to really be careful about going down that road because once you go down that road it's really hard to come back. When I was a younger player that I would allow that energy to take place a lot more than I do now. Like I would find myself getting frustrated that people weren't getting on the same page or they weren't, you know, paying attention to their throws or they weren't, you know, being more connected than I wanted them to be. And so I would find myself getting frustrated, not angry, but just frustrated, not enjoying this precious time that I have to do this thing that I love. I was being very aware of that and being conscious, making a conscious choice to not do that and just take a breath, settle myself. And sometimes I would actually just go off and sit down for a second so I could recalibrate. Even though we do have this meditative thing that we're doing and we get lost in the moment, there actually are a lot of management of moments that are going on. And I think it's really can be helpful to be conscious of that. Just take a moment and go, wow, I'm just here playing Frisbee, and it's better than digging a ditch. And <laughs> sort of balance out the fun factor here and, and not take it so seriously. Yeah. Does that make sense to you at all? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think I, I, the way I interpret what you're saying is, is to approach the moment with gratitude rather than with expectation. So rather than expecting a certain throw or expecting people to engage in a certain way, expecting the jam's going to go the way that you want it to, just be happy, be great, grateful that you're there, that you're outside, that you're with your friends, that you're having fun. I think all of life, but the jam included. Approaching with that attitude just makes things a lot better. It, it, it almost matters less about what's going on and more about how you approach your life. So the one that I struggle with more than the external forces are the internal forces where I want to play better than I happen to be playing in that moment. Like maybe I missed a catch or maybe I uh, was trying to do a really hard combo and just it didn't work. If that happens too many times, I can get frustrated with myself. And then I start going down that same kind of path where I'm frustrated and not having as much fun and start pushing myself harder than maybe I really need to go for something easier. I figure, okay, I'm just going to do a really simple combo and make a catch and try to break out of this I'm failing pattern and start to have some success. And doing that usually breaks the frustration pattern for me. That's so interesting. You know, there's really a lot more of a dance going on than I think 
we have actually talked about. Yeah. You, know, you think about it just being kind of this chill, meditative, you're just in the moment. And actually, there's much more dancing going on and interesting to kind of just talk about it. Yeah. You know, we should probably do a whole episode on just what's going on in your head while you're in the jam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The dance. What is the dance? The dance. Right? Yeah. That's- Yeah, that's cool. So just want to remind everybody that we will be live streaming Freeburg. And what are the dates of that live stream, Jake? Uh, Starts May 31st, ends June 2nd. It's the German Championships. It's always huge. There's always so many people that show up, Germans and all Europeans. So it's it's a great event to watch. You will enjoy it. You won't regret tuning in. Cool. Well, I'm definitely going to tune in for that for sure. And on that note, Jake, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!